0: As the reality of autonomous vehicles gets closer every day, some fear that Americans will lose their wanderlust. That joy of just getting into the car and driving. That discussion, coming up next on AutoLine This Week. And now,
1: here's your host, John McElroy. I wanna thank you all for joining us on AutoLine This Week. You know, the culture and spirit of the United States of America was built on people who just had to get up and go places. Whether it was the Pilgrims and the Mayflower, the Pioneers and their Conestoga wagons, America was built on people who just had to go and see other places of the country. Are we gonna lose that? What's going to happen with autonomous cars, all the sharing that's going to happen? Well, that's the topic for today's show. And joining me for this discussion are Peter Dolorenzo, the publisher of the website Auto Extremist, Also joining us today are McKeel Haggerty, the CEO of the Haggerty Group. Most people would know Haggerty Insurance, especially of classic cars. And Mark Gessler is the president of the Historic Vehicle Association. I want to thank all three of you for joining us for this discussion, and I think this is going to be fascinating. Peter, you've written about this in several columns on your website. What do you think? What's going on here? Are we phasing out freedom and, you know, remember, the Society of Automotive Engineers, their slogan used to be freedom through mobility. We're getting into all this new, build, new mobility, but are we going to lose some of our freedom?
0: Uh, I think we are, because when you think about it, every dimension of the American experience has been shaped by the automobile. Um, the roads we used to wander around the country, uh, the road food that's been a byproduct of that, the music. Um, Go to the Henry Ford Museum and you realize that uh, the American experience is the automobile and the automobile is the American experience. They're intertwined to the degree that I'm afraid if we push into this autonomous land uh, view of the world, it's, it's going to take something away from, you know, the fabric of the American spirit. I really believe that. Michael. how do you see it?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're huge headwinds. Um, that, you know, the car and the love of the automobile are facing right now. Um, and, you know, not the least which for young people are economic. It's, it's more and more expensive to own a car. It's more and more expensive to park them and use them and fuel them and insure them and all of that stuff. And so there's a real economic challenge that young people are facing. Now, I remind people that millennials are now turning 36, 37-ish, so they're not 18-year-old Uh, communists they're you know real people with real interests and jobs and everything else but it's still very expensive but there's another big uh, trend that I think is driving a lot of the autonomous thing maybe we can get into it a bit later is is that a lot of this I believe is about cities is that you know people are moving to cities for reasons other than cars or not cars it's about you know it's about density it's about connections it's about connectivity I mean, I was with the mayor of London uh, recently and he said, um, you know, the future is going to be about cities and mayors and that 60 percent of the global GDP by 2030 or 35 is going to be in 25 megacities around the world. That Countries and states won't matter. So these headwinds are definitely will have an effect. But I'm actually, I'm a little bit more sanguine about the whole notion that I think there may be more room for people who actually love cars to be out on the road driving.
1: And let's get into that in a moment, but I want to get Mark into the discussion here. How do you see that?
3: Well, I, th- I think there's going to be a counterculture out there that is going to embrace this. I think you see that with vans. I think you see that with camping. I see. I think you see that with a variety of things that are sort of beckoned back to the 1960s, to our experience. I mean, it goes along with what's happening in, uh, in, in furniture today, I mean, so mid-century Modern is now back. I mean, who would have thought? Um, And all the things that we sort of grew up around in our age group are now suddenly what our children or what their children are very interested in. So I think there is a counterculture out there. I think a a VW bus will still be cool in 50 years. I think it just, it can't help it. Um, But, you know, we are in this sort of, this collision between um, our attention span, between computing and the automobile so we had a hundred years where the automobile essentially won our souls uh... and everything that we did was around the automobile and now computing comes along and now that collision is ending up as autonomous driving how, do, how are we
1: losing this wanderlust though peter i mean There's still going to be cars. Okay, now I don't have to drive or, you know, somebody, I'm going to share it with somebody. How do you see us losing it?
0: Well, I think mentioning the phones and everyone sort of consumes visual images off a screen or, you know, you want to tell people, you know, you can go outside and look at the weather if you'd like. (laughs) I mean, I remember I drove from Detroit to L.A. in a 76 911 with no air conditioning in the dead of summer. No nav, no nothing. I just went to Salt Lake City and turned left. Huh. And you know, I think part of that experience of kids of you know getting your first license and you know going on your first road trip that's that's going away. And I and I think it's 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 going in the wrong direction. Will you still be able to do that? Sure. Maybe you're right. Maybe with all the concentration in the cities, the autonomous cars, you can get in your real car and not see anyone for a couple hours when you drive out in the country. But um, I think the net net of this is we're going to lose a part of our culture.
3: The, um, a, a couple years ago, we, uh, we drove a Model T, a 1915 Model T across country, and it took us like 36 days. And I had, the, I had the wonderful experience of taking my son along. And it is like the most heroic thing that I'm sure that he'll imagine when he's 90. You know, can you believe we did this? And you know, just to hit American roads and to be slow, was a completely new experience as well. I mean, because you buzz by things. I mean, you know, we've had the era where it's faster and faster and faster in freeway. I mean, it's also constricted our sort of wanderlust. I mean, to hit a freeway anywhere, it looks like just everything else. So yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that coming back. And I think, there is a, I think there's a yearning for the real. And the real will be in, in embodied in the old
2: yeah, I think it's about agency. You know, I mean, and some of these kind of countervailing trends, and maybe they're countercultural, and maybe maybe it it will become harder. Is that I, I truly know more people listening to vinyl records today and writing with fountain pens and raising chickens in their yards, brewing beer. I don't know why you. I've never had awesome home brewed beer, but nevertheless, it's like an agency, and there's some of that that I think is a need out of Why humanity. the swing back? Why is the pendulum coming I, back to mean, To me, I think it's a, I mean, from what I am observing is it's, it is a pushback against technology. I mean, you know, Moore's law is stated in terms that it is ineluctable. It's, it's coming. It, it is, you will, you know, resistance is futile. <laughs> and, you know, and Moore's law has cousins, by the way, in cloud computing and, you know, network technology and all those things. And it's opening up global markets. It's great for business. It's awesome from an information standpoint. But it doesn't make people want to get up and leave their room. And uh, so I think you got to push them. My daughter did the same thing uh, this last summer. Drove a 67 Camaro across the country with two art school friends from Brooklyn, neither of whom had a driver's license prior to doing this. 21 years old. And I asked them when I got to California, I said, what was your biggest surprise? And they said, Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. Never, they would never. Those three were never going to go to Arkansas in their life. They said it's beautiful.
1: So, Peter, is there a glimmer of hope?
0: Yeah, because I think there's a yearning for authenticity. I think the young people are, are you know, very bright people as a group, and they're starting to see that. Hey, you know, this is kind of cool. There's something there. There's uh, if they get a glimpse of the real, they want more of it, and um, so I think there is a glimmer of hope, but. Um, there are certain factions of the country that, you know, want that all to go away. Just let's dial a right up. You don't have to be involved. You don't have to own. Oh, those, those automobiles that consume all your, your money, you won't need that. But, you know, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. So where do you see the culture of the country going then? Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a very broad, open yeah. question, but.
0: <laughs> I think there'll be a, you know, there'll be a, um, a, a dichotomy. They'll be, you're right, in the cities, it'll all be urbanized, uh, computerized, get your rides, and then you get outside of the cities, and it'll be like the way the country used to be. Because everyone keeps talking about electric vehicles, for instance, and autonomous cars. You get outside the cities. And you need, uh, you know, a gasoline-powered machine of some kind to get where you want to go, because this electric revolution, the autonomous revolution, is going to be concentrated into a few cities. I really believe that.
2: So I was at a, a conference in Vancouver, and, and uh, a guy who, he was the founder, I guess, and CEO of a company, Mobileye. And you may have known that Mobileye is, you know, was a a serious technology player in uh, the future of visual technology around autonomous vehicles gave this amazing speech it was incredible about the future autonomous vehicle cities and it was really impressive i mean he was like a walt disney sort of storyteller and i walked up and introduced myself i gave him my card and and he's like oh i'm so sorry i'm going to put you out of business and he grabbed me by the arm he said seriously you have to find something else to do now, I didn't know he was two weeks away from selling the company to Intel for $15 billion, so that's why he had this smug look on his face. But nevertheless, it's that hype. I mean, there's huge hype about it, that this is inevitable, that you know, everything that's old must be destroyed. And I think that you know, it's an area that Mark and I share a lot of of views about that. Um, In order for the important parts of some of it, I think, to be preserved, not just by accident or by happenstance, I might go bungee jumping someday too, but, you know, wanting to drive or go out and see wide open spaces, as Henry Ford, you know, said was the purpose of the car with your family. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit more work. And I've since met Ziv and I'm like, you know, you kind of ticked me off that day when you told, and he said, now it's, it's coming. There's a, an inevitable part of autonomous vehicles heading towards cities, but it's decades and decades away in reality, especially if you start looking at the manufacturing realities of it.
1: So we, I have hope. I still have hope. Okay. Mark, you and I McKeel share viewpoints on it. What's your viewpoint on it? Are we going to lose our culture as we've known it for the last
3: century? Well, you know, in a certain way, um, The auto industry won. I mean, it's been 100 years. I mean, they've persuaded us. Uh, The industry uh, had an active role in persuading us that suburbia was good, Uh, that all of this getting in a car and spending our entire life in a car is a good idea. So now we're going to be in a car, except it's not going to be driven by us. And so, you know, I think I think there's inevitability to to all of that. Uh, But I also think that we're probably on the precipice of the last of the real, Mm. the stuff that were made by hand, by people. And I think that there is always going to be a uh, a romance with that part of America and that part of American life. And unlike Europe, um, America was built around the automobile, not the other way around. We didn't you know, fashion the automobile to deal with cities that we had built hundreds of years ago. No, it invented America. Mm-hmm. And so we have an active role in ensuring that that's preserved and celebrated uh, at the highest level. And those are our programs with the Department of Interior and on the National Mall with a, and a temporary monument every year uh, to, to really call this out and to engage people in stories. Because you know, we're talking a lot about technology here, but it's about people. I mean, it's about what they want to do, and, um, and young people do want to explore. They want, you know, there's going to be something that ticks them and says, look, that looks really cool camping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and that stuff's coming back. People want to do that kind of stuff, and I think that's great, and old cars and, and our old real stuff is going to be part of that, uh, part of that equation. Yeah. Or are you
1: guys just hoping that that's what yeah. it is? And the reason I say that is, you know, horses never went away because the automobile came along, the horseless carriage, as it was first called. And in fact, as you guys know from the history book, certainly, that when the horseless carriages first appeared 100 years ago, there was a great backlash against them. Humongous. I mean, down to legislation, trying, you know, the red flag law, where if a car was coming through a town, somebody had to walk in front of it waving a red flag so people and horses would not get scared. Well, the today today there's still people that love horses, ride horses, but it's kind of a hobby. It's it's something that a subset does. Is that what we're going to see happen with automobiles?
3: Well, I think I think driving for for certain will be. I mean, in the long run, driving will be that something that you engage in for a personal pleasure. Look, my enjoying driving every week is when I go to Cars and Coffee at 5 o'clock in the morning. I leave my house to arrive at 6 o'clock to get a good spot about 20 miles away. And everybody else is there, and there are young kids there, and there's kids with their cameras and everything there, and they're all there in the morning. But, I mean, drive down to Union Station to pick up my daughter, you know, coming in. I mean, in the middle of the afternoon in Washington, D.C., I mean, I'd rather shoot myself. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, call her, Don't, take, take Uber, dude, you know, take Lyft. Right. So is it the dichotomy that we're talking about here? Yeah, I'm, almost, I'm,
2: I'm mindful. I mean, a, a little bit of research. We, I think we figured out that horses are a $39 billion business right now in the United States. So it's not like it's gone. Um, but, uh, it's, but it happens in a different place. Nobody rides them to work unless you're a cowboy. Um, but people do love horses, and I think some people love cars. I think... Um, but it will become probably more countercultural. And, you know, I think the bigger fear I have, which is really kind of the thesis of your article, is, is setting cars aside as much as I love them, and they've been incredibly pleasurable and amazing in my life, is the wanderlust piece is, that's really troublesome um, in a lot of ways. Because Why? Well, because, you know, no virtual reality, whether it's on a little screen or in goggles, will ever match reality. And that idea of going out and, and just kind of being there it makes such a difference in you know actually encountering people and stuff and places and the inconvenience of the road.
0: Yeah, well yeah and i you know I, a lot of friends on the east coast and you know some of them have never gotten in their car and you know driven across the country. Mm-hmm. But when they do it's such an eye-opening experience for them and it's, it 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 changes their perspective on a lot of things. All of a sudden the flyover states are not something you want to fly over, you want to experience. Arkansas. Yeah. Go figure. And I think there's there's going to be that that's never going to go away. But I think concentrated in the cities, yeah, we're going to be in trouble. You're going to have to have a special pass, John, to get your Citron out <laughs> and and venture out on the roadway because you'll have to be, you know, monitored that that's your day to drive your car, I'm afraid that's what's going to
2: happen. Well, we should probably check on you if you're driving your (laughs) Citroën anyway, but that's okay. That's another, uh, (laughs) that's a different path.
1: So, you know, I personally believe that beautiful cars are never going to go out of style, never. In fact, I don't think that personal ownership is going to go out of style. But I'm wondering if it's going to become like part of the horsey set, if Mm. you will.
0: Peter, what do you think is going
1: to happen with the design of
0: cars? Well, uh, Mercedes just showed that uh, my, my box six Cabriolet, which to me said, I'm not worried about the future of car design because that thing was just magnificent. Oh. And I think that um, uh, design is always going to be the ultimate initial product differentiator. I don't care what you're driving, design is going to matter. But all of it for enthusiasts of the machines, it's going to be costly everything is going to be much more expensive to indulge in your love of Driving in the automobile—that's—I I see that's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of these things that's
3: sort of a uh, sort of an intellectual trap—is that I hear this all the time. Look, hey, you look around at all the guys who are car guys, and they all got gray hair. Uh, you know, I'm—I'm I'm, still—I'm still probably too young to be in, involved in this. And uh, and everybody says, "Well, where is the next generation? Where are they coming from? Where are they?" Co-? Well, I mean, I go out to Cars and Coffee. They're—they're they're there, and they, there's these kids that are not even driving yet, and they're taking photographs. They're—you inst- know—they're instantly Instagramming all this stuff, and I've, I've done a study where I've gone back and looked at generationally all the way back to the 30s of who was involved in you know, something automotive, enthusiast, let's put it that way, and they all look like us, and I'm sure you are all sitting around like, hey, where are the next guys going to come? Well, I showed up, I was born, and now, you know, here I am, I'm I, you know, devoting a big portion of my time to it, so I do think that this is going to naturally uh, continue to happen. I think it's just different. It's always different than we think. And uh, it's our cup of tea is not their cup of tea, uh, exactly. You know, so it's, it's more modern cars now. I mean, you're seeing it with, you know, 2000s and, and it's the 90s rem- is, it's I mean, remarkable.
2: It's, it's, it's a huge part of the market. Wait, explain that, Mikhail. Well, that's remarkable. I mean, I think that, uh, and I think this is a little bit of a byproduct of the, you know, the truly kind of great vintage classic cars um, going up in value so much that they become, they became unaffordable for all except the wealthiest of the wealthy. And they're cool cars to look at, and I love them, too. Um, But they're just unobtainable for young people. And so the switch to sort of modern, predominantly sporty cars, sometimes kind of SUVs or trucks, that sort of thing, it happened like overnight. And in the collector car world, the kind of traditional mechanisms for appreciating cars, whether it's clubs or magazines or auctions trying to sell these things, they're, they're really, they've already lost it because the stuff that young people who What they're interested in, what they can afford, Um, they don't have the same kind of dogma around brands. They don't care. There are other brands that they accept in as being, you know, perfect. You know, Japanese brands, other kind of car, you know, makes and models that they find perfectly fine, and they do like them. Um, And you know, you ask them, well, would you ever want to have one of these other cars that you know previous generations like? Yeah, maybe, but you know, they're really expensive. Um, So there is that. There's the economic argument, and they're just they're interested in newer stuff. They like. You know, if they have an electronic anything in them, they're more interested in fiddling with the electronics than the mechanicals. And, know, I guess in my world, I learned a long time ago: don't, you know, I don't judge somebody by the by the cars they like. I just have, you know, I give them a thumbs up and
3: smile. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, we well, I'm, I mean, the, the kind of things that uh, I, I like having fun with is, all, you know, I ask a crowd of car guys, right? Okay. That think back when you know when you bought your first car that was not daily transportation what was it how old was that car when you bought it and invariably the answer is like 20 or 25 years or sometimes under that and the reason was it was cheap it was cool i thought it was cool mm-hmm. and i mean you know what what millennials are liking these days i mean i'm not you know shouting this out for everybody but it's like you know volvo 240s i mean you know station wagons in particular come on you know it's you know it's slow it's uh, you know it's safe it's not particularly you know it's a box and and all that stuff is cool so you know, I, I wouldn't throw, you know, I wouldn't throw all this out with the bathwater that, you know, the whole world is coming to an end and here. And they're very <laughs>
2: large populations. I mean, the others, uh, this next generation, the millennial generation is gigantic. Right. And so, in maybe not in percentage wise, but in real numbers, they're, they're, there's a substantial number who are interested. Um, but as, but the idea of, you know, I mean, here we are in Detroit and, you know, my dad growing up here, he talked about it, like when the new models came into showrooms, I mean, it was like everybody left their house to go look yeah. At the showrooms. I mean, but it was, today they do it for
1: new Apple phones. Right. Yeah. And Peter, I, I want to get you back into this. I love what McKeel and, and Mark are saying, and I believe what they're saying. But we also know that a declining percentage of young people are getting their driver's license. So there are some people that are keeping the flame alive, but fewer and fewer of
0: them. Yeah, it's frightening. It's a frightening yeah. statistic. I mean, it's they just don't care. And they've been driven since they were real little to all their events. So when I heard Uber coming on, I said, well, that's a natural extension of the way they grew up. They had everyone driving them somewhere. So why do I have to change now that I'm out of the house? So let's invent something that does that. There you have Uber.
3: Yeah, yeah but, well, I mean, your, it, your phone is going to cost you X dollars, and that X dollars was the X dollars that you had for a car back in uh, back in our days. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just expensive. I mean, my daughter lives in New York. She can't, I mean, it's just like, why would I have a car? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I love doing road trips. I like getting on the road and doing that. But that is, you know, 1% of my time during a year that I'm doing that. So, so you just read the great point there. Can we preserve
1: this wanderlust? So you still have your... Your people in the cities with Uber and autonomous vehicles and Lyft and whatnot. But
3: can we have these escape valves? And can we get, push people into I it? I think you can. And I, I, think, I think the other cool, sort of cool thing is if you think about things like Instagram where, you know, now everybody's a photographer. They're all looking for different places to be for, to, to demonstrate that they've gone somewhere different. And, you know, you may get there by a plane, but you're going to end up in a car or part of that. So, um, you know, I think, there, I think it's out there. You know, that part of it. Cool and interesting places, I think, is you know, is, is part of the good news in all this. And I
2: think you'll see shared ownership models. You're going to see rental models. They're just they're, they're subscription models. They'll be different. I mean, as much as you you said cars and ownership of cars, I think you're going to. I think that a lot of the ownership threshold will change, um, just like Airbnb. I mean, Airbnb proved that you could have strangers in your house, and you might stay in a stranger's house if you know enough information. It didn't seem as possible. Uh, when you think about cars, there's something somehow more precious. People wouldn't dream of it, but it's starting to happen.
0: Well, I will retain a shred of optimism because the the power of personal mobility. I'm not talking about mobility that, but when people discover that that freedom of mobility, personal mobility that they control, they do. It's extremely powerful, and it never goes away. So I think there will always be that aspect. No matter how autonomous we get. I mean, maybe John and I will be conducting adventure tours <laughs> out into the flyover states.
1: See, that's uh, Iowa. You know. No, you're absolutely right. Because we all grew up in an era where you just go, hey, let's go for a drive. Had no idea where we were, where we were going. Had, and, and I mean just for an evening, and afternoon. I'm not talking necessarily about a road trip across the country. And I'd be like, hey, turn there. What's that about? And you discovered places. You found new roads. You met new people in some cases, too. And that's what I'm wondering if we can preserve. Because even with mobility or sharing and, and maybe getting out and seeing the country, do we have that
0: spontaneousness to it? Well, there's a danger of losing that. I mean... Let's face it, the automobile, uh, it's who we are and where we've been, where we wanted to go. It's such an inexorable part of the American uh, adventure uh, that I, I, I hope we don't lose it. I think there's a chance that it'll be a small percentage by the t- time this is all done.
2: I, I, think, I think part of the challenge um, will be that... Um, I did this conference not long ago at Gettysburg. I always wanted to go to Gettysburg. It was really interesting. And it was an academic conference, so it was actually being led by more like academic historians. We went out through the battlefields, and they were talking about all these different things. And there were all of these other tour groups around, mostly being led by amateur historians, often dressed up in pure, you know, period uniforms or reproduction sort of uniforms, beards. You could tell, You could totally envision them in a reenactment, and they probably were reenactors. And I was asking the academic historians about it. I said, oh, no, well, the, the, the amateur historians know a lot more about the battles. We know a lot more about the history. And you know, so we're the, we're the sort of serious people. And I, the sort of thing that struck me is just that you know the question is not whether people will want to drive some of these cars, but whether it will be cool. Because being cool and something old or a throwback might be different than, well, that's just kind of weird that you're in, you know, it's like some of these, you know, other maybe historical reenactment things. It's like for a really niche group of, you know, people who are so into it, they want to put themselves there. Is, and that's what I wonder with my, my daughter and her friends. She's 21. She did this road trip. Will she do it again? I, I don't know. She says she has interest. They said they had interest. But will they find it cool? And if it's cool, then no problem. If it's, I'm only going to be into it because I want to reenact some previous part of history,
1: that may not be as cool. Well, maybe there's an opportunity for somebody, and I don't know if it's a ride-sharing operation or or what, that offers this. Not just, hey, we'll pick you up and take you down to the movie theater or whatever, but we'll take you out and see America. Maybe there's some opportunity there for brands, maybe even automotive brands. Look, I I, want to wrap this up, but I wanted to close it, because, Peter, you dug up a a great quote here by James Agee, poet, Pulitzer Prize-winning author, who in 1934 wrote... We, and he's talking about Americans, we move for no better reason than for the plain, unvarnished hell of it. Just Uh get up and go. And I think that's what this discussion's been all about. Will America lose its wanderlust? And so much of the spirit and the culture of the country. And I want to thank the three of you for adding to this discussion. Peter DeLorenzo with Auto Extremist, Mikhail Haggerty with the Haggerty Group, Mark Gessler, the president of the Historical Vehicle Association. Thanks, you guys. And thank all of you for having tuned in.